Greetings, Bibliophiles, to five author questions, or 5AQ, presented by the Kalamazoo Public Library, the podcast that attempts to delve into the minds of writers using only five questions. Hello, my name is Kevin King. I'm head of community engagement. And I'm Sandra Farrick, head of youth services at the Kalamazoo Public Library. So today, this is the very, very first time we are recording a podcast live. I know. So there's, there is the Idlewise Book Fest. We spoke this morning um, at the Book Fest about the Five Author Questions podcast. Mm-hmm. And now we're recording a podcast <laughs> and the audience of the conference is watching us right now. It's very meta of us. It's so meta. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even stand it. So how did you like Idlewise Book Fest so far? I'm enjoying it immensely. I have a do not disturb on my door so that I can just yeah. attend the conference un, undisturbed. I can't wait for tonight. One of my favorite musicians is singing tonight, so I'm really excited about oh, Josh Ritter. It's going to be super fun. So if you want to follow us on the social medias, mm-hmm. we have an Instagram account, which is at 5authorquestions. That's spelled 5, F-I-V-E, author questions. We have a Twitter, which is at 5AQpod. And if you want to email us and ask us any questions, uh, you can go to podcasts at kpl.gov. That's plural podcasts. And as always, like, share, and subscribe to 5AQ. Because if you don't, um, we're going to get Carrie to chase you down. (laughs) Carrie's our new friend. Yes. And he's going to find you. He will find you. He will find you. So today's special guest is... Oh, I'm so excited. It's Lydia Millette has written more than a dozen novels and story collections, often about the ties between people and other animals and the crisis of extinction. She has won awards from Penn Center USA and the American Academy of Arts and Letters. And her books have been finalists for the Pulitzer Prize, the National Book Award, the National Book Critics Circle Award, and the Los Angeles Times Book Prize. She lives in Tucson, Arizona. And to find out all things Lydia Millette, just go to LydiaMillette.net. So I first want to say about a children's Bible is I, when I first read it, it stayed with me for many, many days afterwards. When I read it again for today, it, it, it just, it was like reading it over again. It was such, it's such a great book and it just stuck with me. And it's an amazing book. If you haven't read it, um, I'll tell you a little bit about it here. Children's Bible follows a group of 12 eerily mature children on a forced vacation with their families at a sprawling lakeside mansion. Contemptuous of their parents, the children decide to run away when a destructive storm descends on the summer estate. Embarking on a dangerous foray into the apocalyptic chaos outside, Lydia Malay's prophetic and heartbreaking story of generational divide offers a haunting vision of what awaits us on the far side of Revelation. Welcome to 5AQ, Lydia. I am happy to be here. We're so happy to have you today. Did you hug her, did you hug her book when you were done? I hugged, well, I hugged it because it was so good. Yeah. And, you know... I was, I'm not joking when I said the book stayed with me for a long time. I actually have a natural aversion to apocalyptic literature. It just scares me. <laughs> um, but this one, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And thank you so much for that book. So again, five author questions. We got five questions for you, but um, it's our show, our rules. If we have a follow-up, we're going to use it. And uh, it, it won't count towards the five. Nope. So first question the character's structure and vibe of a children's Bible feels much like a novel written for teens. In fact, it's been compared to, to a book many teens are forced to read, Lord of the Flies. Did you write the book for adults, teens, or both? Well, if I'm totally honest, I wrote it for myself. 
you know, in the selfish way that I write all books, which is just to please myself as I go <laughs> along, because that is how much of an egoist I am. But, um, but really, yeah, you know, I never have an audience in mind when I write. Um, well, I shouldn't say never, but rarely when I write fiction. Do I have any audience at all in mind? I just sort of write what I want to write in that moment. So I, I wish I could claim to be more calculating and sort of demographically uh, savvy, but mm-hmm. I'm not those things. Did when when you were when people were reading this book, and was there any talk of making it a book for teens? Was there any? Because um, it feels uh, so much like no, a teen actually, novel. The only thing was there was talk of making it a book with fewer teens in it. Oh, interesting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because it had a larger sort of cast of characters uh-huh. originally, and um, it was sort of lost some along the way um, because they were, you know, it seemed too much like a, a Russian novel of, <laughs> you know, 150 years ago or something. Okay. Well, it, it like, again, again, it, when I read it, it felt many times like, you know, the, a lot of the, the, the devices are used in a lot of young novels, uh, novels for young readers, you know, this parental angst and this, like, I want to, I want to live in a world where my parents don't make any of my decisions, <laughs> you know, and, and that's kind of the device and kind of backbone of a lot of great literary um, uh, books for uh, kids. So it really, it felt that way, but again, but not, what's the word? Beat you over the head. It didn't beat me over the head. And I, thank you. And I really appreciated that. So thank you so much. Well, also eerily mature children also screams like YA. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, that's well, awesome. So. I, you know, I would, I would love for, I would love for, um, more young people to read it um, because I love young people. And it's a book that is really about the sort of glorious rage of the young. Right. Mm-hmm. And so of course it would make, it would delight. Me. Yeah. Well, I hope it replaced Lord of the flies on the reading list for high school students. Ooh. In some ways it's more hopeful, you know? Yeah. Oh, I agree. Totally more. Hopeful. Ooh, we can start pitching that. Yeah. I'm going to so. do that. All right. Good. All Quest- right. Question two. Question two. What fictional character have you always wanted to meet in real life and why? You know what I, you know, I would have to say it's a fictional character from my childhood reading, although I still love reading these books and I reread them. Um, but it would have to be Aslan from the Narnia books. Because then, you know, you're meeting a lion who can talk. I mean, it would definitely have to be an animal who can speak, first off. And Aslan is sort of like the king of animals who can speak, plus also allegorically God mm-hmm. and Jesus. So, you know, it's a lot. You're getting a lot. You're getting a lot. You're getting massive bang for your buck with Aslan. So I'd have to go with with Aslan, aka God. Wow, that is, that is a lot of bang for your buck. <laughs> My mom, who um, I had her watch the movie, and then so she's watching, watching, and then she at the end she's like, "Oh, I love this movie. The line is just like God. It's a very good movie." And I was like, "Okay, mom, that wasn't where we were going with this, but sure." <laughs> <laughs> nice. So she's there too. So question three, by the way, before we go to question three, yeah. for the, the audience watching us now and, and the Idlevice Book Fest, if you have a question you want to ask Lydia, please post it in the Q&A. And when we're done with our five, we will, we will select some to uh, ask her as well. So question three, if you could pick a theme song for your life, what would you choose and why? So this one, obviously, you know, that. I mean, doesn't everyone have a million answers for this? There's they so do, many to <laughs> right? I mean, um, you could do more than one. Most people do more than I one. Guess, 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so recently it would have to be the song that I've been dancing around to in secret, mm-hmm. which is just an old kind of like, it's not old really particularly. It's a few years old sort of hit song that everyone was playing for a while by Gnarls Barkley called crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I just dance around to that all the time. It's been going on for months, like not in front of people, obviously, because mm-hmm. <laughs> my children, you know, they don't allow that. Um, but then like sort of longer term and in sort of quieter moments and not for dancing, I'd have to say uh, Leonard Cohen probably mm. has the song anthem kind of famous song that I think is really beautiful. And, you know, I would like it to be played, say, at my funeral or at one of those. What, what do they call the parties that aren't funerals Weeks. when you're dead? Not you know the like appreciation life thing, oh. the appreciation like, of life. It's you know the unwake. I mean? The unwake. The unwake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. The un- there you go. Perfect. And you're in, in in like right now. I think you said you're in Manhattan, and that's a very Leonard Cohen place to be. I guess so. Yeah, that's right. Very Whole album. Exactly. You know, she did say New York. She, you just automatically assumed Manhattan. Oh, it sorry. is Manhattan. Though. Of course, oh, it is. Just my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Right. Question four. Wait, before we move on, do oh. you want to tell our listeners about the awesome uh, Spotify playlist? Yeah, soon you'll be able to look on Spotify and get a playlist of all the songs, the authors we've talked to. We've asked that question to a lot of authors, and we've, we've got pretty good sizable playlists going that we'll uh, make public for our listeners to hear all the songs the different authors liked. And then in the notes, I'll connect the song to the author so you can see what is what. We've had quite an eclectic list of, of songs, which has been quite fun. Yeah, we've had one that they just picked one song for their whole life. We've had authors mm-hmm. that are like, so my childhood was this, yeah. and my teen years were this, mm-hmm. and my adult years, and I'm still moving. Yeah. So they'll all be there. Yeah, it'd be a great list. Uh, question four. How do you practice self-care? Well, I never really know what people mean by self-care, but I'm just going to say that... In a general sense, I allow myself not to do many of the things that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. That would be that that would be for me the most important aspect of self care. So I mean, there are also things like you know vices and indulgences mm-hmm. and um, you know bad things, mm-hmm. naughty things, and stuff. But sort of at base, just avoiding the things I don't like or or even love. Now, obviously, you have to do some of those things. Mm-hmm. And the more privilege you have, probably the more luxury you have not to do those things. And But they can even be tiny things, you know, small things. Um, and so, yeah, that's my main strategy in life is to do as much of what I like doing as possible and as little uh, of what I don't like doing. So, I don't know, form of laziness, maybe like spiritual. <laughs> no, because I, I think that people find it hard to say no to things, which mm-hmm. then you know, they are not taking care of themselves. So the fact that you're so cognizant about it, you're probably way more ahead than the rest of us on our self-care. Yeah. You're at least mindful about it. Yeah. <laughs> some self-awareness. Yeah. You just act like the, some of the characters in a children's Bible. Just Yeah, exactly. No, I kind of do though. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. It's funny how that question has um, stumped a lot of the authors. A lot mm-hmm. of them are like, well, I don't do enough self-care. And, and I, we kind of talked about it one time we said, I feel like then this question is good. It's our job to remind them they need to think about self-care, especially during a pandemic. Also, we're looking for tips for ourselves because exactly. we're awful at it. Yeah. You really? Can, oh. <laughs> you can only drink so much. <laughs> okay. 
Final question, que- least final question of the five author questions. Question number five. In our society, science and religion are often put at odds. Since you have an extensive background in sciences, were you intentionally trying to reconcile the two by crafting a modern day Bible story? Yes, I was, quite simply. You know, I've been interested in this for a while and sort of trying to um, uh, interact with ideas in my books uh, that want to expose sort of the falseness of that sort of dichotomy mm-hmm. that um, that we have proposed for our society, particularly in the U.S., where science and religion are at odds with each other or, you know, faith and um, empiricism are somehow ir- irreconcilable. Uh, so, yeah, so this book, uh, Children's Bible, one called Sweet Lamb of Heaven, also is concerned with that. And um, just in general, I, I myself am concerned by it. And I think, you know, we really saw over the past four years how, how vicious um, uh, a taskmaster that, that division can be in culture. How did you come to that thought and, and realization that just had to come out? I mean, was there any kind of, I, I just, you know, just in the, I think in the way that most of us come to sort of like realizations that later we think of as obvious, mm-hmm. you know, that, that sort of like, why can't there be, why, why isn't, you know, science just a part of God mm-hmm. or why isn't God a part of science? It's just a sort of, it's, so they're simply not mutually exclusive categories, you know, and for us to suggest that they are is, is arrogant. Yeah. Did, did that come from any childhood? Like, did you, were yeah, you forced to go to church and not like it? I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I did go to church, but not with my own family. So my parents let me go to church and to synagogue with various friends of mine's families mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, although they didn't go to church and were secular people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, and I was interested, and I've remained interested ever since, sort of more, um, less in organized religion, I guess, than in ideas of mysticism and spirituality and um, as sort of the abstractions of, of theology. Yeah, I, that, it was fun to read in the book how many, um, I'm, I'm married to a minister, so I, I get all that by osmosis. I often say I'm the worst minister's wife in the world. Um, so I reading reading a children's bible i was like oh i see what i see that i see that and that was really i just loved how you played some of those you know traditional bible themes and stories off the the uh the apocalyptic nature of the story it was just amazing and i it truly and it's again I, this is not like we didn't want you on so i could just say you're amazing because you are amazing but that the book just stuck with me for in so many ways but mostly on that idea of science and religion in the in the reconciliation of that so Thank you. Thank you. you. All right. That was five questions. Do we have any questions from, we've got, we've got questions from the audience here. We're going to, two questions. Two very good questions. Okay. I'm going to say it for her. Was there a character within the book that you intended to be a God? Oh, I thought maybe the owner was supposed to be God. That is a good question. question? Yeah. That's the, that's the entire question. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just wasn't sure. Yeah. No. Because he said it was such deliberate, you know, punctuation. I know. So I was like, <laughs> you know, it was great. It was great. Um, I, uh, that is the question I get most often about this book, you know, is the owner God? Um, 
And all I can say is that the owner is intended to be the kind of cipher she reads as, you know, where you sort of, I wanted for readers to be able to interpolate, you know, to, to sort of bring, to vest her with their own interpretations and um, sort of allow, allow that to be part of the experience that readers made up for themselves. Cause I actually really believe in this sort of porousness of, of storytelling, you know? Uh, and so it's not really an equation. Some people have read her as, uh, you know, a god-like figure or deus ex machina kind of, um, which she clearly is mm-hmm. in the in the story. But others have just said, you know, does she represent capitalism? Capital, also very literally, she's called mm-hmm. the owner, right? And yeah. so that's that's uh, a a clear sort of alternative interpretation. And I wanted her to be sort of multivariate and. Um, maybe resonant with these different implications for different people, um, you know, bringing, bringing their own ideas to the text. And that's, that's the truest answer I can give. When I when the owner to me at first, I was unsure and it, it felt, and I think that's what makes it so interesting. Like you can almost interpret the owner the way you, whatever you bring to the story yourself personally. Cause at times yeah. I thought the owner was like not very altruistic and, like there's something else going on there. And so. Right. The owner's either sort of is morally ambiguous, mm-hmm. right. It's um, also is, is clearly some form of authority figure and um, uh, an enforcer, but whether you see her as sort of an avenging angel or like a force for a force sort of malignant force mm-hmm. or um, a force for salvation is really, is really your choice as a reader. Yeah. Another question. If you attended a book discussion of a children's Bible, what is the most important issue you would want uh, someone to take away from the book? Um, let's see. I guess, you know, I don't, again, it's sort of uh, this question also has to do with, I think, sort of um, intention and what I wish my readers to um, to think. And I don't, really exactly operate that way and perhaps i'd be a much more successful commercial writer if i did (laughs) (laughs) but um but really obviously i there is this great longing in the book for people to be um giving themselves over to to the matters of you know extinction and, and climate uh and really that sort of devotion to um to our role as as caretakers of the future, the future of our children and other people people's children, and really all that lives on the earth, you know that sort of devotion is is what I clearly what I um, what I invoke in the book, and and really is my own obsession these days. And I think the obsession of of, of many of us, um, whether or not we speak of it, uh, and so you know that's that's sort of that's what it's about. And so I guess that's what I. I'd want people to be moving away um, thinking of is like, what can we do to save the future as, um, as the people that we are now? Thank you to the BookFest uh, audience for those mm-hmm. questions. And our final bonus question <laughs> is, uh, what are you working on now or what's coming up next for you? Um, so I have a novel called a short novel called Dinosaurs about a lonely rich man and the family next door and uh, birds. 
It's also about birds. And then I'm working on a collection of short stories, um, which are always really fun for me. And I have a kind of memoir, a sort of hybrid book that's nonfiction that I'm also working on called We Loved It All, which is about animals and nature and our, our love for them and also about religion, which, as you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm fixated on. So. Yeah. Well, Lydia, this has been wonderful. Uh, it's been great to, to hear you talk about a children's Bible. It's been great to hear you talk about, you know, your favorite music and all the topics of five author questions today. Um, we really appreciate you joining us and we hope you have a good time in New York city. <laughs> Is that the correct way to say Thank that? you so much. Bye. It's really exciting to be out for like my first voyage in the yeah. pandemic. Really yeah. excited. Well, be careful yeah. out there. So thank you so sure, much. Everyone, everyone stay safe and oh. thank you for having me. Oh, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Five Author Questions presented by the Kalamazoo Public Library. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode. And finally, we leave you with a quote from Sally Ride. Science is fun. Science is curiosity. We all have natural curiosity. Science is a process of investigating. It's posing questions and coming up with a method. It's delving in.